Hello and welcome to the Equalizer podcast. I'm your host, Ariana Cascone, and I'm here today with Andre Carlisle of Diaspora United and Gaming Society to talk two major topics, NWSL kits and USWNT roster drop. So how are we doing on this fine Thursday, Andre? I'm doing well. A uh, little, little nervous. Nerves are a little bit wild. There was some crazy Champions League game stuff that was going on before we hit record. Uh, but I'm good. I'm good. And thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm super excited to chat with you today. And I was watching the tail end of that game as a neutral. So I'm also <laughs> feeling a little bit anxious. There was a lot going on, but um, I can't imagine how you were feeling as a fan of one of the sides. So, Yeah, um, nerves. Nerves have been better. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of fraying at the end of the nerves, but, uh, you know, I'm going to rally. It's going to be fine. That sounds great. Okay, cool. So why don't we just jump right in and start talking about some NWSL kit reactions? So we had a lot, we had all clubs drop new kits this season. Um, and we saw some of them in action over the weekend in the first match day of the 2023 season. Um, so what's your overall take on the kits just as a whole? Ooh, that's a hefty question. Um, my overall take is that I'm disappointed. I, I I tweeted this, but I'm usually I'm used to NWSL kit drop season just completely doing an assault on my on my checking account. And that did not happen uh this time. I think I got one and I'm kind of contemplating getting another one, but usually it's like I try to get the ones I can get without like, you know, completely failing on all my responsibilities as an adult. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then uh, I just live with that, that FOMO, that, that sadness that I can't get another one and just try to scheme and figure out how I can do that throughout the course of the season. And so I'm kind of sad about it. There's probably some reasons why some teams, some clubs were more reserved, but still, I, I think every time you get a chance to, to drop something to release know some kits and create some excitement it just really is poor when they come out and they're so basic I know I'm in the same boat as you I was really excited to all the you know really excited for all the kit drops excuse me um because you know it's fun to see these new jerseys to see how they look on the broadcast to see them in person go to games right um but then we have half the league running out in plain white t-shirts or plain black t-shirts so my bank account is safe for the most part. <laughs> I have some kits that I actually really like, um, but I think it might be fun to start with the ones that maybe we don't like as much. So if you had to pick, what <laughs> do you think, which kits fall in maybe your bottom third? Ooh, okay. So we're going to do, we're going to do a bottom three. All right. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good with it. Well, do you want me to give reasons why, or do you want me to just name them and then we can talk about them? Um, why don't you name them and then we can talk about them? That sounds great. Uh, okay, okay. So, San Diego. Um, very disappointed, especially given their crest. We'll talk about that later. Mm-hmm. North Carolina. What is that? And Portland Thorns. Oh, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I have a okay. lot to say about that. You got to start <laughs> with that one then. You have to. <laughs> I just, I mean, I know it's Portland. It's, it's a th- I know the story behind it. It's a thing. But sometimes the execution is just poor. 
And I think the execution is poor. Like I kind of understand what they're doing, but like I even made fun of the 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 home kit last season because it looks like I know they're thorns wrapping around, you know, mm-hmm. the hoops, but it looks like barbed wire. It looks like an old school like barbed wire tattoo, which we just don't do in the 2020s here. And this is another thing that we just don't do in the 2020s. This is this is like throwback Ed Hardy vibes. This is this is an era of like clothing that we just never need to re- <laughs> we never need to to like go back to and we also just need to completely forget but for some reason it's back and i get i guess it's like quirky and people from portland seem to love it but i'm not from portland so i know they tried something but it just has too many vibes of too many people who weren't the best people <laughs> who 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 rock these this sorts of design and i'm just like I cannot believe it's an actual genuine NWSL shirt. So like, it's outrageous to me, but it's what they're going with. Yeah. The disbelief actually is something that resonates with me because when I saw it, so the kit leaked before it was official and I saw it and I sort of thought to myself, there's no way that this is a real kit, right? Like teams are not going to run out in this. So this is a mock-up that shouldn't have been, you know, put anywhere. Um, so when I first saw it, I sort of had the same reaction as you. I'm like, this is terrible. It's just going to look really bad. <laughs> but then the more I looked at it, I started to oh, vibe gotcha. with it. I know. <laughs> and I, I mean, I like, I, so I have some I- ideas maybe about why I like it so much. The other kits are so plain and boring that I like that the Portland kit stands out. So I think that's one thing. I also really like, the associated merchandise that Portland is putting out with that kit. So they have a really cool scarf, which mm-hmm. I mean, the, that design, like this traditional tattoo type of design looks really neat on their new scarf. Um, they have a cool sweatshirt, which is, you know, it has the crest and some of the, the vines and the, the thorns and the roses. Um, I also kind of like how they're returning to their original crest colors. Yeah. So there are bits and pieces of it that look really cool um but up against everyone else's kit i think you know the reaction can be more potentially is more polarizing because they're all so boring that it's like oh my gosh this one stands out and it you know kind of solicits a lot of reactions yeah i i kind of heard that from a few people that were like well at least they tried something and Mm -hmm. and for for like I can understand the thought process, but I'm also <laughs> like, you don't really get credit for just trying things if what you tried is awful. You know what I mean? Like, yes, totally. I don't know. It just, it just feels like, I don't know if I like built a plate out of raw meat, nobody's going to be excited about like, oh, at least you did something neat. I'm excited to like, it's still a terrible, disgusting, gross thing. And I don't necessarily want to say like, that's what the kid is to me, mm-hmm. but I just... The the tattoo artistry of it just takes me back to an era that I would love to forget and never, never live through again. Uh, but apparently this NWSL season, at the very least, uh, be reliving it every single time those kids are on the pitch. And I just it's 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 just wild to me that they're real. It really is. I was just like, I this has to be an elaborate punk. They look they look real, but uh, they and they were. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. I'm kind of excited to see what they look like on the field. So I I will say this. I will say this. Even though they're in my bottom, I think that the green shorts do elevate them a little bit. They look a little bit more composed when the like the full kit is together. Mm-hmm. But the shirt itself, I just I just cannot. I can't. Yeah, the green shorts are really neat. I was like I was thinking about buying those, but they were only 
I think maybe sold in a men's cut. And so they would be a little bit long on me. Mm-hmm. Um, so if Portland is listening to this, maybe put them out in a shorter cut. <laughs> um, but actually, that's a really great point about the color of the shorts, because the NWSL as a whole is, I think, moving away from using the white shorts, um, you know, paired with the white kit because of period concerns. Right. So players mm-hmm. having to play on their periods and then wearing white shorts, that can be just an uncomfortable experience. So I think that actually is a, a step in the right direction. Um even if it's paired with maybe a subpar kit. <laughs> yeah. And I don't want to get, you know, I don't, I don't want to ignore that point or just, just kind of move on because I do think it's big, particularly because we've heard so many players discuss it. And I even think Marta, when, when Orlando announced that that's what they were going to be doing with their away kit, you know, it's a white shirt, but they're going with black shorts. Mm-hmm. And it was just, Marta just said, it's, it, it takes away something else to worry about on a game. Like you have to worry about so many things on a game day and it just takes away that worry. And I just think that that's such a, it's such a simple decision to make. And it's such a common sense decision to make that I hope we continue to see that. I hope basically nobody in the league has to wear white shorts in the future, because it just seems like such a simple thing to do to just make sure that that's not something else that players have to think about because they really shouldn't have to have their concerns with that in the middle of a game. I totally agree. Um, And I actually was kind of expecting that move to happen potentially next year in light of Mm -hmm. all of the changes that are supposedly coming in 2024 to NWSL kits, right? So uh, Nike and the NWSL are moving into a new phase of their partnership, and there's a promise of greater customization and flexibility starting next year. So I was really happy to see some of the the clubs moving away from the white shorts even this season ahead of of all those changes that are on the horizon. Yeah. Yeah. I I think planning ahead and and getting that done and approved by the league was really, really smart. Mm -hmm. Um, And hopefully it is a thing for the future. And I think it will be, it sounds like the league is listening. It sounds like players are speaking up too. So hopefully nobody has that issue, but I know we've, we haven't seen all of the kits obviously, but I know that I believe the spirit said they wanted to do um, uh, black shorts with theirs, but I don't know if they were able to submit that in time. So they're probably going to end up in white shorts. And I think some other, some other teams across the league will as well. So hopefully we're done with that in 2024. Yes, hopefully. So coming back to the other kits that made your bottom three. So <laughs> North Carolina was one of them, right? In San Diego. Do you have stronger feelings about one of them? Well, San Diego. Yes. Um, just because like, look at that crest. It's gorgeous. Look at the colors in that crest. Look at just, it is such a good base. Like as a designer, like my former life was a graphic designer. And so like, I look at that crest and I'm just excited for all of the color combinations, all the things that you could do with that. Even if you don't go like completely wild, I know people keep saying like, bring out old school Lisa Frank, you know, put dolphins on it and everything. (laughs) Like, I feel like you don't even have to go that wild. I just think if you utilize the colors in the crest, you're going to come up with something that looks quite cool. Even if you kind of go retro with the shirt too, like you could do a lot of things with that palette. And instead they're just going with straight up, like they're straight up like Nike templates. It's, it's just, I swear that their, their home shirt is a training top for a number of European clubs. I think Chelsea's one of them, uh, maybe Tottenham is as well. But yeah, it's just a straight up basic Nike template shirt that they just put their badge on and say, this is our home shirt. I know they try to do something fun in the numbers, but don't, don't, don't skip. Don't, don't play games with me. Have fun with the whole shirt, not just the numbers. 
I know. I thought the numbers looked cool, but on top of a training shirt, they just, the entire thing missed the mark for me too. I mean, right. give us a pink kit. The logo yes. is so cool. Like, <laughs> and, and also they did a really cool photo shoot for their kit release this year. So they had that, I think it was like surfboards and an old car and Naomi Germa was like in the car. Yes. Yep. Um, and I was so into it. I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah. this is awesome. This kit debut is great. And then the kit was a training shirt. And I'm like, I'm not <laughs> <Right>. buying this. <laughs> right. Exactly. And that's the thing that that's the thing that's frustrating is like I'm I want to see, like, like I want to see something cool. The the photo shoot, like every aspect of it, like you said, the kit reveal, the photo shoot, everything was like miles more creative than what they actually released because there's like zero percent creativity in that shirt. Home yeah. man hell man away. And it's just like you, given the location of San Diego, given the crest that you have, given all the things you can lean on, you even called the wave. Like wave imagery is is really cool on a shirt too. Like have some fun. I know. Hopefully they come through next year, but we'll have to see. Um, so North Carolina, I mean, I this one maybe kind of speaks for itself. It is a white shirt. I <laughs> North Carolina made my bottom three also um their chrome logo kind of missed the mark for me i think it's cool but you don't really see any detail from far away and when you have to say oh but it looks so cool up close to me that's just a total miss you know what's funny about north carolina's is away to me is that it, they especially with that sponsor on the front because it is so like it's so wide i think it goes across like it basically goes like shoulder to shoulder it's such mm-hmm. a wide sponsor as well that to me it really looks like it, it it looks like the shirt of like a co-ed rec league that just like takes itself too seriously. That's what it looks like <laughs> to me. It's like, we've all seen those. Scenes. You're like, all right, here y'all go in, in all your same shirts and everything. Okay. You think you're special. And then they end up losing like three, nothing. It's just like, I, I don't know. It just, it just has a ba- a weird vibe to me. It's like a local sponsored co-ed rec league team, which is just like, all right, you settle down. But apparently it's also a professional shirt for a professional team. So that's why I made the bottom because what? And I know people are going to be mad because they're like, well, the spirit did something similar, but I don't know. I'm looking at the the sponsor and I don't think the spirit's chrome badge turned out quite as bland as, uh, as North Carolina's. So that's, yeah, that's a fair assessment. Um, and also the spirit are in this transitional period, right? Where self proclaimed transitional period where they're switching to maybe a black and white theme and we sort of don't know what's coming next year. So to me, they get a little bit more of a pass than North Carolina, who's just sort of vibing with this T-shirt that is, you know, from any generic store. I think that's fair because, you know, the it, it sounds like the true judgment for the spirit will come in 2024 when we mm-hmm. actually see what they what they're going with, you know, from there, from that point on. It sounds like a don't know how substantial that rebrand is going to be. We have heard rumors that it's far along. We've also heard rumors that it's still in development. So I don't know, but it should be. Nobody has said that it won't be ready by 2024. So this is very much like a intermediate step and we'll have to see where they go. Yeah, totally. So before we move on from this section, I need to know what your favorite kit is this year. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I have three. Okay. Um, great. <laughs> um Chicago Red Stars. They just, they seemingly never miss. I think just... Yeah, using one, it really helps to have an amazing city flag, and I love that they lean into it so hard. Um, and so they've had some some of the NWSL's best kits have come from Chicago. So like I'm thinking like the 
what was it the elevate kit i believe was one of my favorites uh and then this one with the the black shirt with the chicago stars is really really cool i think it was really done also another another cool photo shoot too um that one was awesome orlando pride the shirt itself is a little bit basic um but it has that deep purple color which i just adore i love that color and the story behind it, you know, Marianne Carroll, you know, celebrating a kind of a local artist uh, from back in the day that has a really deep uh, connection uh, to the area and has a really good story. I like that one. And I also like O.L. Rain. It's it's kind of a, a quirky shirt and, you know, can kind of maybe give you like a weird 3D vibe, but they're kind of saved a bit uh, or elevated a bit because they also have the best sponsor in the league. I, I really appreciate that they're continuing with that. So those are my top three. I think those are good choices. I mean, those made my, I mean, top half list for Chicago's kit. I agree. Their kits have been really great. I really like the one that had the skyline and also I think it had the L on it. Am I making yeah, that up? Yeah. No, that, the, yeah, the that L was, a was recent the kit. train. <laughs> yes. I didn't love the train as much. It was a little too clip arty for me. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think I just sort of like this, the sentiment of that, but yeah. this kit, I, so I'm a neuroscientist by day. And when I looked mm. at it, I thought that there were neurons on the kit. Nice. And I was like, I love this kit, but that doesn't make any <laughs> sense. And then I realized after looking at it closely. So, um, it's a black kit that I actually like. I thought that some other black kits in the league this year were misses. So I was glad to see Chicago's. I'm in the same boat as you about Orlando's there. The story is really cool. Um, I think some clubs sort of have to craft the narrative around the kit to yeah. make it fit. And Orlando's was yeah. just a very, it seemed intentional. It seemed like the story really did come first. And then the kit was sort of, you know, coming out of it, which right. I appreciated. Um, and OL Reigns, I think I don't like their white as much. And so I was really yeah. excited to see this, this blue with the pattern and, at first, I thought it might be a little bit busy because the pattern's sort of going in every direction. But yeah, um, you know, they the imagery, I guess, is that it's supposed to represent the peaks of the mountain ranges that surround Seattle, which I sort of I liked that vibe and I thought it was cool. So respectable choices there. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, what are your top three? My top three I are. Like you, I feel like we have very different top threes. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Well, so OL Rain did make my top three. Ooh, and then, okay. yes, so Portland was my oh, number yeah. one overall, which I oh, spoiled my. before. <laughs> <laughs> but I also really liked Racing Louisville's kit. Um, mm-hmm. okay. The houndstooth pattern, I think it looks, the more I look at it, I just sort of like it more, sort of like Portland's. Um, mm. I will admit, I didn't know that houndstooth was like a pattern. So, I saw the kit and I'm like, are these frogs? What? <laughs> like, what is this pattern? And then I learned it's houndstooth. Um, and, you know, they are marketing it as a, a celebration of pioneering women um, and really leaning into the culture of, you know, the, the Kentucky Derby and, and racing Louisville's mm-hmm. home city and state, which I think is kind of cool. Um, I, I think that the mint crest is sort of clashing and, Mm. I'm just waiting for racing to have a mint kit, but yes. this is, I think, better than what I have seen from them in the past. So I kind of, it caught my eye and I liked it. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Um, I, I was actually a little bit surprised that at the houndstooth, I thought it was funny that, you know, the Kentucky team busts out the houndstooth, mm-hmm. but it makes sense. It's, it's fair. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't think it's bad. I think it looks good. It's a little bit too, um, 
it's a little bit too boring for me just because it is that pattern and that's it. But I do think it is better than a lot of the other kits that drop. So yeah, probably in my top four, I'll say maybe if I had one more spot, I'd, I'd go ahead and go with that because there is the story behind it, which is also kind of funny sometimes, you know. So sometimes the, the marketers get hold of some copy and they like write way too much into the shirt and you're like, all right, I don't, all that is not represented mm-hmm. <laughs> in the final product. But, you know, in, in this case, you can kind of see it. That's what I sort of felt for Gotham's kit release. I don't hate their kit, but yeah. the story was, it just didn't really match up with what I was seeing. Yeah. And so yeah, it was a lot. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, okay, this may have been like the ambition from the get go, but I don't know <laughs> if, if, if these little bullet points were like marked off completely. So it's, it seems like a bit, and I, and I, like you said, I don't dislike it. Mm-hmm. I kind of would prefer the the stripes just kind of be um like a bit more plain i don't know if i if i really feel like the repeated um kind of like lightning bolt pattern thing um mm-hmm. works the best for that but i don't hate it i think it's an interesting shirt but it's not one that i really will probably buy yeah i'm in the same boat <laughs> definitely so that sounds like a good place to stop for our kit discussion. I'm excited to see the rest of these on the field as we move through the season. Um, but before we move into the national team roster drop, we'll just take a quick break. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Okay, and we're back to talk all things U.S. women's national team roster. So earlier this week, head coach Vlad Kwandanovsky named a 26-player roster ahead of next month's friendlies, right? This is the last camp that will be called in before the World Cup roster is named. So what was your just gut reaction to seeing this kit? I mean, this roster, (laughs) not this kit. (laughs) Well, it's interesting because... You know, the, the the big surprise was Julie Ertz. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was, I thought so that I was preparing for a boring release with Vlatko. We've gotten to a cycle where we've kind of been able to, you know, pick out exactly who's going to be on the team. There may be a couple different changes like Lynn Williams being back. And, you know, we're not seeing Alyssa Thompson anymore, which rightfully so. She's got a lot going on and is only 18 years old. But, you know, there, there's just a couple of players that maybe come in and out at this stage. Um, but then, of course, you get the big surprise when it's finally released. And we're like, whoa, that's a big change. But it's also like I love that for Julie Ertz. We didn't really know where she was at, if she was going to come back to play. We didn't know if she's going to come back and just play club or if she was interested in playing for the national team again. And Suddenly she's, you know, got a, got it on the national team before she even has another club team. And I think that's also a little interesting because it kind of says something a little bit about the status of the midfield, I would say, um, under Vlatko. And I don't know if it says completely positive things, if I'm being honest. Yeah, this is something I agree with for sure. It's interesting because in some of his press releases, he was sort of acting like he didn't know that there was chatter about the midfield right he said something like oh I didn't know people were talking about it and then after games he would praise players for you know how great the midfield looked and from the outside I will say I personally didn't think it looked 
sharp. It didn't look World Cup ready. I, you know, we don't expect yeah. it to early in the year, but you know, even so, it, it was clear that there was a departure from the midfield that was sort of like a well, well-oiled machine. Um, and you know, he had a lot of experiments, especially at the number six position, uh, having Andy Sullivan back there, and also Sam Coffey saw very limited minutes, and Taylor Korniak, of course. And I guess this message bringing Julie Ertz back in, which, you know, I'm happy for her and I think that's great, but it sort of sends the message of this is clearly not working. And so we're going to go back to what we know worked, um, you know, a couple years ago, August 2021, essentially. Um, and I guess my question is really, is that going to work this year, right? Like, are we basing expectations off of what was instead of what actually is now? Yeah, and that's the dangerous part for me. I think you really need to be aggressive in building and constructing a new midfield to take Mm -hmm. the team into the next era. Not only are teams getting better, they're more organized. The players are better, but they're more organized. They're better coached. If you watch England, there there are midfielders who are excellent that play for England, but they also play very well together. You look at Germany, same thing, talented midfielders, but they they move as a unit. They move, they they connect as a unit. They defend as a unit. They do a lot of things that are very organized. And you look at the U.S. and we have talented players, but they've never quite looked like they're all on the same page. And that was the concern. And I don't think it's about personnel, which is why, like, on a personal level, I'm with you. I'm happy Julie Ertz is back. But the last time we saw Julie Ertz was in 2021 in the Olympics. And yes, she was injured. I think Sam Mewis was also not 100%, but we had deeper problems than that. And they were on the pitch. We don't have Sam Mewis this time around. (laughs) And we didn't know if we were going to have Julie Ertz, but when we did have her, we still had some of the same issues. So for me, it's structural issues. It's, It's issues with cohesion in the midfield. And I don't think that's a, that's something that's going to be solved with personnel and that's where I'm disappointed about it. It feels like since that 2021 kind of season, or I guess not season, but tournament in the Olympics, we it, it feels like Vlaco has not done enough or taken the opportunity to get players in there to get them integrated into. I mean, he didn't even take Andy Sullivan to the Olympics. Like that's wild to me. Sophia Smith as well did not go to the Olympics. So like, yeah, the transition was slow, but then we're still kind of relying on players who were very good in 2019. And it just, for a number of reasons, I don't think it, I don't think it's going to end well if this is, if that's the plan. Yeah. I have similar concerns about this. And I think that's true, not just even in the midfield. I've been thinking a lot about you know, this idea that club form supposedly matters when it comes to, Mm. you know, roster decisions. And in my opinion, having a player that's not been signed with a club come into camp sort of negates that message. It's not really that club form seems to matter. Um, But that aside, right, just thinking specifically about the goalkeeping position, for instance. So Casey Murphy and Alyssa Nair are sort of battling for that top spot. Nair is likely the number one, but both of them had like terrible statistical down years in the NWSL last season. They were just not good. And that didn't seem to matter, right? We saw Alyssa Nair in Chicago's season opener make an egregious error. Uh, And that's, you know, that happens, of course. She is not that one mistake. But it's sort of building off of last season, which was not really great for her. And then that was her showing the first game in 2023. I'm just like, okay, you know, what... 
what is the actual process for bringing players into camp? Yeah, and it's it's interesting for me with goalkeepers too because there's so much like communication. There's so many other things that go along with it. So I can kind of understand, at least from a listen there standpoint, why you would want that consistency there. I think there are so many defenders that are just used to her and a bit more comfortable with her behind them. But I kind of agree. Like we've kind of like it seems like Casey Murphy's been primed to become the successor. But there are a lot of other goalkeepers who performed better than her last season. And she is a very good keeper. But, you know, and I, and I know she was injured at the beginning of last year uh, and missed some time. But, you know, you, you also want to make sure that you are not just making a decision too quick and that you're also, you know, having a fair process. And I think when you focus back on the midfield again and you kind of look at that and I can't help but feel sorry for Sam Coffey. She's had an exceptional like rookie season with Portland, anchored their midfield, led them through a very good season. They scored the most goals in the league. She was very, very good at being able to control the ball, being able to read play, break up opposition attacks. And, you know, then she picked up right where she left off, you know, in this uh, in this season already. And she's kind of was like brought into camp and then dropped. And of course, we're not there for training. But you're a little disappointed to say, like, this is a position of need within the team. You know, we have Andy Sullivan as the only, like, true defensive midfielder, and we don't really have anybody else. And so Sam Coffey is someone who I thought, like, get her into the environment as much as possible, you know, get her familiar. And I believe also the same thing with Jalen Howe. Like, this has all kind of been my frustration under Blacko is that we have the players, we're just not using them and and like getting them integrated into the team and maximizing their strengths once they once they are in the setup is just like oh you can't be Julie Ertz okay well next like we'll just wait for Julie Ertz then is kind of what it seems like it happened and I don't think that's a good thing. Yeah, I I mean that is sort of what it seems like even though you know we're both kind of chuckling at the that sentiment but it is you know what seems to be going on. I wish I could be on the, a fly in the wall in the discussions yeah. just because, yeah. you know, ultimately this doesn't really impact my life at all. <laughs> um, of course, like I'm not the one making these decisions, these individuals who are better informed, but from the outside, it really does seem like it make, it would make sense to bring Sam coffee in and have her train in that high level and at least give her some significant minutes against, you know, opposition um, because, Something about Sam Coffey's game that I think is overlooked is that in college, she was an attacking midfielder. And then she came to Portland and was pushed farther back the field, uh, farther back in the field. And she was lights out, right? For all the reasons that you just described. So, I mean, being able to do that shows versatility, A, and B, Mm -hmm. just, you know, I think proves that she deserves to be in the pool. Um, Jalen Howell, too. I mean, she was really, really great in college and battled some unfortunate injuries at, at Louisville. Um, I actually recently learned that, that she wasn't healthy for the, for, you know, large stretches of last season. So I'm excited to see her once she gets healthy for this season. But yeah, it just sort of seems like the answer is going to be Julie Ertz, whether, whether or not that is the (laughs) right answer. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Whether, whether she's ready or not. uh, And we'll have to see. And this is the other thing we have, we have not seen Julie Ertz play soccer since 2021. So I know it's mind blowing. No idea where she's at from a match sharpness standpoint, from a fitness standpoint. And, you know, it's about to be, I think it will be April by the time people are listening to this. Uh, the World Cup, not that far away. 
Absolutely not. And, you know, thinking about the minutes that she'll get in these friendlies, if she gets any at all, she's not going to be able to go a full 90 minutes. There's really nothing like game minutes when it comes to training. So we'll see what she puts together in limited minutes, I suppose. But I mean, for the national team's sake, I hope that, you know, she looks great and, and like she did in 2021, but there's really no way to tell. So this could either be a genius call by Vlaco, or it can be something where we're all like, okay, we knew this was going to be bad. And that's kind of my problem is that it's just, it, the, the issues have been way beyond personnel. Like Andy Sullivan is a very good midfielder, exceptional midfielder, but because hasn't necessarily found a right structure with her, Roosevelt, Lindsay Horan, to be able to capitalize on all of their strengths and put them in their best positions, kind of until somewhat recently when he's kind of tweaked the midfield a little bit. You know, we saw a bit in the game, uh, the final game of of 2022 against Germany, um, and, and we kind of saw a little bit of it sometimes in the She Believes Cup uh, this year. But I just, it's it's frustrating to see because Andy Sullivan can play that role very well if you play to her strengths and. We don't like we haven't seen that often. And I really do think that as much as people were kind of identifying that defensive midfield role as the problem area, I truly think it's actually the Sam U.S. role that we've had the biggest, the hardest time um, trying to f- figure out. Sam did a lot of work. It's really hard to replace a player who's like six foot strong, can pass, wins a lot of aerial duels, like is very good with the ball at her feet. Like it's really very good at making th- passing, uh, spotting through ball opportunities. Those don't like you don't just find those. That's why that's what made Sam Mewis so incredible. Mm-hmm. And so to me, it's like she's the real missing piece. But we can do things to be to find ways to make the midfield a little bit more dynamic. And we really haven't done that uh, and have kind of focused on this defensive midfield position. And I think even if. This is why I talked about the 2021 Olympics. Even if Juliet is back and even healthier than she was then, I still don't know if that's like, okay, run it back. It's going to be just like 2019. It's going to be fine. It's hard to tell because yeah. in 2021, it wasn't really fine. Exactly. <laughs> so um, it's interesting to to lean on that as sort of the evidence for this potentially panning out okay. Um But another thing I'm thinking about, too, in this roster is just that there were, I think, 10 defenders called in. And for me, there are some questions at fullback. Uh, So Kelly O'Hara is back in this camp and Casey Kruger. Uh, So I'm really excited to see Casey Kruger back on the national team roster. I mean, she did leave uh, her NWSL match over the weekend with, I think, a concussion sub was used. Um, But granted, if she's ready to go for camp, that could be really exciting, but I think it, it opens up some questions about who will be in the starting 11 at fullback. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, definitely. So relieved, so excited to see Casey Kruger back. Um, I believe Lacko did address her injury status and it sounds like she's all right. Um, that's great. Sounds like she could have gone back in the game, but there was no reason to risk it, but she's okay now. So that's good. Of course, uh, they continue to monitor her because head injuries are no joke. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think it was also telling from the presser where, you know, he was kind of talking about Casey Kruger, called her, you know, one of the best defenders in the league, which I thought was amazing. It feels like with some of these players we haven't seen play for a while, so we might have kind of forgotten. But I'm like, oh, yeah, that's that is that's how I felt about Sarah Gordon. (laughs) Right. Yes. When she came back, I was like, holy cow, I I. (laughs) Can't believe I was forgetting about this player, right? I'm really stoked to see her back too. 
But. Right. Yeah. You you see her flying across your screen. And I'm like, ah, oh, yes, that's what Sarah Gordon does. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I, exactly I have missed right. that. Um, but yeah, I'm ex- I'm very excited for the fullback positions because you know we we kind of saw when Crystal Dunn came back, she started going back to left back, and I'm not going to go on my rants about that. <laughs> Crystal Dunn is a midfielder, but I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna be quiet about that for now. Uh, we saw her go back to to left back. We saw Emily Fox go to right back, which is interesting because it's not her best position. I would say she's she's left footed naturally, so she is much better on the left, in my opinion. But we'll have to see what this does because Casey Kruger plays on the right and Kelly O'Hara is back in the setup too. And she's a right back as well. So this is going to be very interesting. Um, and with Blackhill kind of saying game on, it feels like this camp might be kind of, kind of intense for the fullback position to see who, who gets the starting spot and then who also gets that spot just underneath. Cause I, I if I, if I'm counting correctly, there are three, possibly four right backs within this group. So. It's going to be interesting. It will be. And I think, you know, some of these players, like when I think about Kelly O'Hara, right, she brings, I guess, trophy winning experience to the roster. So there is the element of, I'm sure, when making these decisions for the World Cup, you know, players who have been there and can be leaders. And and I think Kelly O'Hara might be one of those players. Um, it's, it will be interesting to see if she takes on more of a coming off the bench role. I mean, she has historically had a lot of trouble with injuries. So yeah. Um, thinking, you know, trying to plan for that would be the most sensible in my opinion. Um, but yeah, it does seem like it will be a very tight battle. Um, and sort of like what you said at the beginning when we started talking about this is that I expected the roster to sort of be boring and then it wasn't. So yeah. now I'm thinking when the Ro- World Cup roster comes out, will I have that same reaction? <laughs> yeah, I, same. Um, I'm, I'm kind of, I was a little surprised, but it also seems like there's, you know, some players have returned. You know, we we didn't mention Casey Kruger and Kelly O'Hara, but also Tana Davidson back with the group as well. And I think that's awesome too. So like, yeah, I, I think we're finally getting healthier uh, as a, as an entire national team. So it will be interesting because it's, and, and they also don't have a lot of time to do this like true competition. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just the, unfortunately the, how it went with injuries. Uh, this season, but we also still don't have players like, you know, Katarina Macario back, who's expected to be back on the pitch early in, in April, he reported, but obviously it's not called into this camp and won't be ready to play for maybe a, a few weeks at least. So this is going to be interesting as we get closer. I really feel like the World Cup roster could be very interesting in terms of who's there and who's not, and then even more interesting in terms of who plays and who doesn't. Yes, this is a really good point. Um, I don't know if I could even make predictions about it at this point. <laughs> Granted, I don't know what these, for some of the positions, of course you can, but some of these other question marks, like I really, I'm crossing my fingers like Katarina Macario is ready to go. Thanks. I think if she can play, she should be on the roster, right? That's just one player that to yeah. me is sort of a no-brainer. Um, but I'm really excited for the next couple of weeks. It might, it, it, I think it's, probably going to be a little chaotic <laughs> to see who yes. ends up where. Um, and yeah. there will be some nerves ahead of these matches to see what the 11 looks like, but I'm excited regardless. Yeah. I'm excited to see what have. I, I mean, I honestly, I keep harping on the midfield, but I'm just really excited to see like, have there been lessons learned If the midfield structure has changed and it can, and they can be more cohesive as a unit that can change the entire, like, um, uh, 
the the prospects for the team at the World Cup because right now, given the world the the midfield that we've seen and how disjointed it's been, it's been very easy for opposition midfields to like pull them apart, pass through them, pass around them, and it's not supposed to be that easy. And it's not and and again, like I said, it's not as simple as just like have Julie Ertz in there and have her run around and disrupt things because, as you mentioned, we saw that in twenty twenty one. That was not the solution. So, but but. Where I get excited about this team always is just the attacking unit. Just outrageous. Like, that's why I really want Katarina Macario to come back because she is so good. But then also Mallory Swanson and Sophia Smith are just outrageous players. This Mallory is in like the form of her life right now. Lynn Williams is back. That is incredible. We've seen more and more from Trinity Rodman as she grows into the national team setup. So like the attack can still just decide that you know they get the ball at their feet or they make a run and they just do something wild and you're like okay well the game didn't look great but <laughs> you've got some of the world's best attackers up front you I guess you kind of always has a, have a chance and that uh, to me is kind of still what makes this team the most exciting that's a really good point and I'm glad that you that you brought this up because I think the national team has come away with some wins recently in games where they really didn't look great for long stretches but they have the talent in the attack that can just sort of turn it on. And, you know, you mentioned Trinity Rodman. I think she is someone who has looked really great in the national team pool. I mean, she's the reason Washington won over the weekend. She sort of said, I'll do it myself. Right. (laughs) Um, And so her paired with players like Mallory Swanson, Sophia Smith, right. Lynn Williams being back is huge. Um, Yeah. It will be really unfortunate if, the rest of the kinks can't be worked out because wasting that amount of attacking talent will be rough come the World Cup. And that is, I'm with you. That is what what makes me so frustrated about this team because we have midfield talent and we could just get a composed midfield with this attack. Mm-hmm. This team should be outrageous. <laughs> this team should be very, very fun and to watch and dangerous to any competition. And we just haven't gotten there. And so over the years that Black has been in charge, it's been frustrating because you see how the attacking talent is developing. You know, we see Sophia Smith turn into a, an MVP and a championship game MVP as well. <laughs> like we've seen her grow. We see Mallory Swanson grow in terms of her dribbling and her assisting as well and her goal scoring. You know, I, I think Kim McCauley recently wrote a very good piece about um, about Mallory Swanson and you know, how just her, the this, this position she's getting in, the shots that she's taking are much higher quality shots than she used to take. And just like they're they're hitting their peak, they're hitting their stride, and they're still so young, all of them. And it's just going to really annoy me that we're going to basically be in a position where we're like, well, hope you all bail us out when we don't really have to be in that position. Yes, that is, that's my take too. And I hope that is not what actually happens. <laughs> I'm scared. It's it's April already, and we don't we haven't ever seen it not be that, and that's what's frustrating. I know. I agree. Um, well, we on a positive note, maybe <laughs> April will look different. Um, but you know, we're only a few weeks away from finding out. So yeah, please all surprise. Right. Can keep the surprises going, Black. Oh, that's that is why. <laughs> True. Keep that us all why. on our toes, please. Please do, please. Um, well, thank you so much. Andre for joining me to talk kits and um, roster drop. I had a really, really fun chat today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on.
Yeah. And thanks everyone for listening. Um, and of course, we'd like to give a special thank you to our distributor, Blue Wire Podcast, and our producer, Jacqueline Purdy. For The Equalizer, I'm Ariana Cascone, and we'll be back soon with more on The Equalizer Podcast. <laughs>